What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Dew Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Welcome into another episode of Kentucky Daily, a daily podcast covering your University of Kentucky Wildcats. I'm your host, Sean Smith, joined as always by my co-host, Derek Terry of the Cats Paws. Derek, how are you? Doing well, Sean. How are you? Doing well. We uh, have a special guest today. He is one-third of the Between Two Athletes podcast that we host with uh, Stephen Johnson. It's my good friend, Alex Montgomery, former Kentucky Wildcat. Alex, how are you? I'm good in yourself. Can't complain, Alex. It's always it's always good to talk to you, especially on a podcast. But you're we're not on our normal platform today. But Alex, we'll you start with. <laughs> I know I do have so many, but we'll start with uh, Thursday, the news Thursday. The Kentucky football team decided to not practice, and I was telling Derek yesterday that you you texted me within like four or five minutes of it going out and you're like are you not reporting on this and then I sent you the link that I had written the story just as an alum Alex what did that mean to you to see those guys come together not just the players but the staff included and everyone involved to you know to come to join in solidarity and make a statement I mean the the attention that the program has you have to, in my eyes, you have to make a statement or you have to stand on something. I'm, and I'm just talking about us as African-Americans. And then I'm talking about us as football players. Uh, people can't seem to separate humanity from politics. And people can't seem to think that athletes – can have a political voice, and I don't know where that comes from. I think out of all things that happened yesterday, reading the remarks and the comments of all these people, and some were good. I mean, you can't you can't only talk about the bad. There were really some good comments, and then you get your spotty, really bad comments. Um, but me just being an alum, I loved it. Um, of course, I show my support. So always show my support for UK athletics <clears throat> on these issues. Of course, Mark Stoops, that's a given. Uh, especially if you know me, there's nothing negative that would ever come out of my mouth about Mark. Uh, but I was proud. I was happy. Uh, I was shocked by it. That's why I texted you so fast. And then when they were speaking, I also texted you, where are they speaking? And, and then they were on the Zoom call. But if they were doing something outside that I could go to, that's what I that's why I text you that where is this happening so I could be there. But they did it on Zoom call, so I couldn't be there. Uh, but yeah, I, I will always show my support, especially when it has to do with UK football and standing up on the issue. The issues is not just, and that's one thing. Another thing that bothers me It's not just one thing 
that we're standing up for. It's not just police brutality. It's everything. It's everything. So people get confused. It's it's just we're tired. We're exhausted. We haven't talked about this every two weeks. I feel like it's it's ongoing. Every two weeks, the last four years since Colin did take that knee. And then when the NBA finally canceled, I don't know if you saw that, that it was four years to that date he need, he took that knee, which is mind-blowing to me that the first day he took the knee on the field, four years later, then NBA boycotted the games. It's, you know, history repeats itself, whether people like it or not, but I don't want it to repeat itself when it comes to treating blacks like they're not human. That's, like, like we wouldn't be here today without change, and this is great change, and, you know, I respect you guys, you guys respect me. But a lot of people don't respect other people's views. Like, I I do not care if somebody can vote for Trump. I do not care if you believe this or believe that. But when it comes to you standing up for something about somebody's life, that's where you lose me. Uh, You can vote for whoever you want to vote for. That's, That's all right as Americans. But sometimes in our eyes, we're not viewed as Americans. You know, even though we've helped build this country more than anybody else. So, you know, it's emotional, but, you know, that's life. But the people that do understand where we come from and what we're trying to fight for, everything, with everything we're trying to fight for, you know, I applaud them. But then you standing with me really does nothing without you helping me or helping something fix the issues. Like we can all acknowledge that, okay, well, I have black friends. Yeah, but all black people are not the same, just like all white people are not the same. Just because you have a black friend, the, your white friend might not, they might not see me like you see me. It's just, just what it is. Like, I'm not a threat. But the only way you know I'm not a threat is by knowing me personally. Now, what if I go to an area where they're not used to seeing someone like me and they don't know me like you know me? I am a threat just by being black. That's that's absurd. That's that, That's crazy to even think about. So, like... You know, we've discussed this offline, Sean, plenty of times. Like, hey, I don't think I'm ever going back to certain areas. I'm not going to say what areas, but I've told you that. It was just like, there's no way I'll ever come down here by myself. There's just, you're crazy. Just because I don't know the landscape. Things could happen. People could have bad days, and I don't want to be a part of that bad day. That's, that's scary for anybody. You know what I mean? Like, if... Even if you flip it vice versa, if somebody that's white going into all black situation, you're going to be a little, you know, nervous. It's just you're going to be cautious. But to be cautious to be ready to kill somebody, that's that's no, that's a no for me. Alex, we, uh, you and I are the same age. Both went to UK in 2013. Mm-hmm. And you were, so it's not been a crazy long time ago, but in terms of the unity that was showed, from Kentucky's team yesterday. Do you think that is something that 
would have been supported or could have been supported five, six years ago when you were in school. 2013, any time that you were in school. Uh, see, the, the things about the thing, the thing about having teammates is, you know, they want to stand with you. And I don't want to speak on any of my teammates because we didn't have to do this. We didn't deal with this. Um, so I really can't say if we all would have been on the same page. But, you know, sports do bring people together. If if we decide to do something, we all decide to do something. So in, in the aspect of uh, it's tough. I mean, you know, I want to say yes. That's it's just I. You know what I mean. But seven years can change a lot. You know, you got you get some players. You know that are far east somewhere, or you know, you get a player that's truly driven in their southern belief. Uh, you you just don't know. I mean, because people could put up a front like. If I'm around 100 people and 100 of those guys are black and, you know, 20 of those guys are white and one guy feels the way, you think that one guy is going to say something against what the majority is going to say? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Because you could, you could lose the privilege of being on the team. You could, do, you could lose a lot of things and everything can flip on you in a matter of seconds. So, you know, I don't know how people truly feel, but, you know, for me, since I don't know, I would say, yes, everybody would have been unified. Alex, this morning, uh, Mark Stoops joined KSR, and he told the story about how close he, that you and him are. I mean, you came to Kentucky, as Derek said, in 2013, and I know when when Mark said, nobody will know the player I'm closest to, Nobody will know that answer. I knew the answer just because of how close you and I are and how much uh-huh. we talk about your relationship with Mark. And I've been there when you went to get the boys and things like that. Mm-hmm. What did that mean to you, though, to hear him? Not, he, and it's That's the first time he's told that story on that network, with reaching that part of the fan base. But it's not like that you all don't talk about how close you all are. But what did it mean to you to hear him talk about you and Alyssa and the relationship that you all have with him? I mean, first, you know, you know shout out to Mark. It was a great, I heard the interview, and obviously I knew he was talking about before he said my name. Uh, it was a great interview. Uh, I applaud him for being authentic. Uh, I, I applaud him for speaking up at a time like this. It's very tough. Like, I understand it. Like, my girlfriend is, is white. So I understand it, and, you know, she has her battles with understanding it all too, but she asks me questions. She she's learning as she goes. So is everybody else in America? A lot of white people are learning. I'm still learning. I'm black and I'm still learning. You know what I mean? So it's that's just what it is. But uh, but Mark coming out and talking about it, it was you know it was I, I think it was inspirational. Um. So first, let me talk about the kids. So I hang out with Will. Um, another, I hang out with Will, his friends of that age group, and Zachy, 
uh, which is Mark's, well, Zach, Mark's youngest son. Um, but I really don't talk about things with Zachy because he's not of age and he wouldn't understand completely what's going on. But I try to drop little gems to that old that they're 13 now, about to be, you know what I mean? They're they're 13 years of age, right before they go into high school and really become the person they want to become. You know, like it's you should never judge a kid about what they did in their teenage years, but you can learn a lot in those years. So I got the privilege to talk to them and give them little gems here and there about what things you should do, what things you shouldn't do, what you should believe in, what you should fight for. But it's never of me giving them a long speech. It's just I give them a little statement. And then where they go from that, you know, sometimes it gets bigger. You know, sometimes it asks me 30 other questions off that one statement. I'm like, okay, guys, you guys are taking this too far, but and I don't want to get too detailed because those things are scary, but I just drop a little story here, drop a little gem there. And I think it's helping them in a way that is beneficial to them. You know what I mean? So like, I want them to understand what I went through when I was 13. Like, like I told Mark and everybody and their friends, well, you know, the, our close friends, and, and I don't want to dis- disclose their name or anything. Um, but I dropped the gym. Of, I was 11 or 12-ish, and I was outside my mom's uh, apartment because, you know, sometimes we would go over to our, you know, my mom's house for the weekend just so we could see our brothers, uh, our brothers and sisters. So one weekend we was outside uh, just hanging out. I don't do drugs. I don't, you know what I mean? Like, I'm not, I'm not that guy. I'm just not that guy. Um, so I was hanging outside with my, my sister's boyfriend. He's a year older than me and all of his friends sitting on a staircase, literally just talking. I'm bouncing the ball because the only thing I did was play sports, all sports. And then all of a sudden you get 12 police officers run up on us out of nowhere put us all in handcuffs because we were hanging out together outside. They proceed to line us all up, all 11, 12, 13 year olds on a back wall in handcuffs. My mom gets home. She's freaking out. What'd y'all do? What's going on? Knowing I'm that if you know me, you know that I'm, I'm not doing anything wrong. So now my mom's freaking out because now my grandparents is going to freak out. But instead of her like going at the police officers and why this eleven this innocent eleven year old is in handcuffs, she's talking to me about why I shouldn't have been there with those group of boys. Which is absurd. I mean, if you go outside, you want to hang out with your friends. That's just what it is. Now you're telling me it's not safe to hang out in a big group, not doing anything but talking, like, which is crazy. So, you know, like she's molding me about how I got to be, how I got to pay attention to my surroundings, how I got to do this, how I got to do that. 
for an 11 year old, that is a lot to take in. You know what I mean? So you got to watch everything you do. You have to watch, you know, when you're outside, if something doesn't seem right, you run, you run straight home. If you see a, a big crowd about to get together, you, you come straight home. You know what I mean? And getting in trouble because of that. You know what I mean? Like I go home and I speak to my grandparents because my grandparents are my parents. They're, they're, you know, they raised me, you know, because, you know, the whole situation that Mark explained on KSR, uh, which was very accurate. Um, but if you didn't hear the shorts, you know, just to, you know, abbreviate it a little bit, it was, I was seven months. Mom left me in the apartment with my oldest sister, so she was two and a half, three maybe. Uh, so I was seven months. It's been a couple of days since my mom came back to the house. So it was just me and my little sister at the house. I'm seven months, so obviously I, you know, I didn't eat. I wasn't doing anything. But my uncle, thank God, stayed upstairs, came downstairs after all the crying. And then he came in. He broke down the door. He saw a big gash in my in my forehead. Picked me and my little sister up, and then we stayed with my – I stayed with my grandparents from the rest of the time being no offense or buts. And then about the time we were in third grade, uh, <clears throat> all of a sudden they went to court, boom. The next day, woke up, my two older sisters are gone. So my mom had five kids at the time. And uh, so five kids that stayed with my grandparents at the time. And then the other, th- the other two stayed with my mom. She came and got the two girls because of their dad. My oldest brother, myself, and my sister, we all have different dads. So the four kids, the two kids that she took, so now she has four and it's three of us. The four, the four kids that she have now all have the same dad, and we all had different dads. So she didn't want to take us because their dad didn't want us with them. So, you know, that came from, you know, we woke up one day and they're just gone. So it's, you know, a lot of questions, a lot of questions you want to ask, but in my family, you stay in a child's place. You know what I mean? And, you know, I think that's lost in today's world, but I don't want to talk about that part, but I think my grandparents hid a lot from us to keep the innocence in us, but that also you lose perspective of the world. But the only thing they did talk about was being careful around police officers, which is absurdity. You understand it. If you're black, you understand it. And, you know, I like, I know great cops. Don't get me wrong. Like everybody knows good cops. Our old strength coach, is a Lexington cop. Like we know great cops, but what makes good cops look bad is when good cops don't point out the bad cops, and then bad situations happen. You know what I mean? Like, and then I'm not even going to get into the whole resisting arrest because a lot of people are saying, "Oh, if you don't resist, you won't die." That's very stupid. That's that's if a cop can't arrest somebody that's resisting, 
without killing them, you shouldn't be a cop. That's one. That, and then that's probably the only thing I'll really get into. But I just wish, you know, things would be different. But I'm I'm proud of Mark, of what he did today. Um, my story is now his story because I am in his life. So, he, you know, he didn't have to reach out to me and, you know, ask me to whatever. That's his story because his story is my story. Well, my story is his story now because he's in my life. So I appreciate him, you know, telling people our situation. To, to have Josh Pascal yesterday uh, and Luke Fortner as well on the Unity Council mm-hmm. eloquently explain – why it was uh, that UK did what they did yesterday by walking out of practice or not calling it walking out, but in a show of unison, uh, not going to practice instead, spending that time to talk about things that they can do locally to help relations. So what did you think about those two guys and what they had to say? I mean, it shows bravery. I mean, I didn't, I got like little clips on Twitter from what they both said, um, but I didn't hear it, hear it in its entirety, so I'm not going to say too much. But it's it's very, and it shouldn't be courageous to talk about these things and stand up for these things. Like it shouldn't be, but it is because of the times we live in today. You know what I mean? And you know, I just I thank him for it. I applaud him for it because, you know, me thinking back in 2013, who was who would have who would have been in this, you know, this who would have been willing to talk about these things in that group? And you know what I mean? Like in my mind, like we'd all been for it. We're all for it, but I couldn't I couldn't think of anybody off the top that would have been actively trying to speak on these things and continually to speak on these things and try to create change. Um, but, you know, that's my biggest thing as well. Like, like I want a plan. Like, if we can come up with a plan to do things just in our community in Lexington, I will be happy. You know what I mean? It's, But I don't know a plan. You know, I'm not sure who I could talk to to figure out a plan. Uh, I'm sure the people at UK are very well equipped to, you know, put these things together and they know people that can actually get things done. Uh, Mark has people that can actually get things done. Um, But again, I just don't want to, I don't want to be the guy that's just words or I don't want Kentucky to just be a school with just words. We need action. And the only way that happens is, People put a plan together. So whatever that plan is, I'm down for. Alex, I get to know and I get to hear things from you because we talk so often. I mean, we've become good friends for the last three years now. And I know I've heard your message and you tweeted it this morning. I don't think people understand how grateful I am that I came to UK. You came to Kentucky to play football, Alex, but. You're you're still here. You gained so much more than just a football scholarship. Mm-hmm. Just touch a little bit about your relationship with Mark and how how it continues to to grow and form over the years. And 
even more so after graduation, just how, I mean, he's there for everything, Alex. Yeah. So, so initially like to be a white coach and you recruiting players like myself, I came from a bad situation. So you're asking a white coach to come into these black neighborhoods. They're not scared. They're not, you know, they don't have a gun on them. They don't, they're not fearful for their lives because people respect coaches. You know what I mean? And that's the first thing, like, now that I'm thinking back on like, I'm thinking on it, like, Mark literally came to my house in a bad neighborhood. No gun, no weapon, no nothing in sight. It made it out perfectly fine. Police, people will respect police if they have nothing to fear them for. We do not fear coaches, and we should not fear officers. But, you know, you got a community that don't fear them, as in the white community. He has a community that do fear them, as in the black community. And with Mark, so I met Mark 2000, either late 2012 or early 2013 when he first got the job at uh, Kentucky. But, uh I also kind of knew him from FSU because they slightly recruited me as DB there. Um, but from day one, my grandmother loved Mark. Like, and I wasn't a person in, in 2012, 2013 to really do interviews, to really talk to people. I was very quiet. I was very to myself. It was foot, it was football or nothing for me. Um, so he came, he talked to my grandmother and my uncles, and I just sat back and listened. And, you know, and him and my grandmother went back and forth with each other. They were laughing, making, you know, making fun of each other. And I loved that. You know what I mean? No other coach did that, talk to my grandmother that way. And that meant a lot to me. But then I was taking all these other recruiting trips, blah, blah, blah. everybody didn't know if I was going to play receiver or DB. And then I called Mark. I was like, hey, if you promise not to move me, I'm coming. And he was like, that's all it takes. And sometimes that's all it takes. It's about loyalty and keeping your word. And he kept his word to me. Even when I started hurting my knees, like doing those violent cuts at receiver, they really take a toll on you, especially when you hurt knee after knee after knee after knee after knee. It's, you know what I mean? And then I kind of went up to him and was like, you know, can I move, the, you know, to the defensive side of the ball? You know, I really didn't want to, but, you know, so he said, you know, basically told me no. But, uh, Ever since the day he came to me about retirement, you know, we've been, been building our relationship through college. It's been up and down. When I first found out that, you know, I wasn't starting anymore or, you know, even not in the rotation, you know, I took that hard because I went to UK and the only thing I cared about was football. And I played inside and outside receiver my freshman year. Uh, I was getting more and more comfortable. You know, freshmen have to get comfortable. They can't just expect people to come out and be great. And that's one thing that I should have learned from or could express. Like, we wanted – Kentucky at that time wanted to be – let's be better, let's win more games, let's win more games, and putting people in bad situations. You know what I mean? And learning from taking time with players is huge. Like, is huge. Yes, I was physically gifted. I was I was ready. Uh, but 
you know, like, I don't think I fit, like, fit well in the, who was our coordinator at the time? Neil Brown. Neil Brown. His playbook, I mean, his playbook was based off of Ryan Timmons and Davis Blue, to be honest. Like, it's, you know what I mean? It was just, that's just the truth. Uh, you know, should I would have registered? I mean, I performed well in in camp that year. I performed better than everybody else in camp that year. Um, but you know, there's some situations you can't control. I can't make him call a play for me. I can't make him. But me trusting Mark, I can go to Mark about anything. I wasn't comfortable. Mark let me come in his office to talk to Neil Brown. You know what I mean? And our receiver coach, Tommy Maynard, at the time. And I respected that for him because if you have a problem, if you want to talk to somebody about it, he'll let you talk about it. And then when I found out I wasn't in a rotation anymore after I got hurt, and then the next camp happened, you know, I kind of walked off the field because I was just defeated. You know what I mean? And then he, you know, he chased me down. We talked. I cried a little bit just because it's heartbreaking as an athlete. Especially I have nobody else to talk to, like, I didn't talk to, like, my grandfather's going, the only person I did communicate with often. I lost him. Um, my uncles, they just had different things to do. My mom, different things to do. My auntie, different things to do. And who do I call to make these decisions or talk about things for me, you know? And then, you know, and he also talked about transferring, Mark, talked about transferring or stay and trying to fight it out. And, you know, and he was like, you know, you have my word. If you stay, I will try to get you back on the field. And then I worked hard for that. And then I was trying to get back on the field and then boom, another knee. And then, you know, now it's just out of my control. I just can't get healthy, but he's been there for me. So then you go down the line and, you know, he asked me if I wanted to retire. I said, hell yes. Uh, (laughs) uh, And then, you know, that's all she wrote. And then once I retired, then me and his family started getting extremely close. Came to my baptism, graduation. Um, you know, they helped me, you know, they just helped me in so many ways, you know, that I won't disclose. Um, but he did come to my baptism, which was, you know, huge for me because I had nobody in my corner besides our, you know, our team's our team's FCA person, you guys know Aaron Hogue, I believe, um, our team's preacher. So, you know, I had those two. I had his wife was there. His, you know, his kids were there. And it was important. It was on Easter Day. Uh, I spent every Easter, almost spent every Christmas, almost spent every Thanksgiving. Like, it's, you know, it's the daily. I mean, I could spend every day over there if I wanted to. But uh, that's, you know, that's what they've been to me. That's what he's been to me. And, you know, they've been there when my mother, my aunt died. And then a couple of days later, my mom died. Uh, and they were there for me, you know. And at those times, like, you really, you really realize, like, these people really care for you. And then the love goes to a different level. You know what I mean? And it's, it's real love because I know he loves me. I know he knows I love him. And we express that. You know, his wife expressed that. His kids, they know I love them, and I know they love me because, you know, the situation goes on, and they ask about me. Like, these situations are going on, and their youngest is like, oh, is Alex okay? You know what I mean? Like, 
that's huge. You know what I mean? So, like, they just made me realize how valuable family is. So instead of me not talking to all five of my sisters, now we got a group chat and we talk almost every day. You know, just because now I realize, you know, my mother's gone. So, like, and she all she did was fight with my uncles and auntie. And they all, that's, you know, they, that was a constant thing. So when I see the value of how family should be, you know, we try to do that. Like, you know what I mean? Like, you know, I hate saying this, but my Mark has a beach house. And I was fortunately enough to go to it but I you know I asked them if I can invite my family to it because they've never experienced anything like it you know I've got to experience it because of people I know and now I give them the opportunity to experience it because of people I know that's huge like they came to the beach house and they were at all for the first three days even though they only stayed three days they were at all every day every second and just like like we're so appreciative you know that you brought us here like and that's huge for my family to see. Like, like people like go on vacations. Our family didn't. We don't. We, we don't see nice. We don't see nice things. Like, you know what I mean. Like, when they're growing up after church, if it's a holiday or something, we'll go to go to corral. You know what I mean. I've never knew what a good steak was until, you know, I got here and. You learn things. You're around people. It's just the everyday experience that they give me that I can give to my family is invaluable to me, and I feel like it's invaluable to them. And that's huge. You know what I mean? So I appreciate that and everything he's done. So, you know, I'm thankful for it and for him, to be honest. Alex, uh powerful message i'm i'm glad that you joined us today to share it i think that people needed to hear from you after they heard from mark today and uh i don't i mean i'm thankful that i have you as a friend not just a podcast partner but you're my brother and i love you buddy love you too man he's alex montgomery and you've been listening to kentucky daily we'll see you next time Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from Metrics second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement.